everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Okay, so now I'm going to attempt to explain what is going on this episode and what a guest gabble is. Um, So if you have been listening to this podcast for a little while, you will know that I have a Patreon. Um, A Patreon, if you don't know what that is, is basically a place where... um, people can go to to financially support a creator that they really like to continue spending a lot of their time creating whatever it is that they create. So, And this whole guest gabble project was kind of, I guess, born out of the idea of wanting to do something a little bit different and fun for Patreon supporters. So what I did was I put out a call out and I asked, um, asked patrons one, if, if they were willing to kind of record their voices, because I know some people feel uncomfortable about that. Um, some people have English as a second language, and so they just, you know, that might not be their thing if they're not very confident. Um, but I hope after listening to this episode, I feel like I feel like K-drama community is a very nice, inclusive and positive place. And I don't think people mind if, say, your English isn't super good or anything like that. So I hope that other people who maybe had that hold them back will give it a go in the future. Um, But basically, I asked my patrons a question. And my question was, what is one of your favorite K-dramas? And you'll note I didn't say, what is your favorite K-drama? Because that's a bloody impossible question. <laughs> I have so many favorite K-dramas. So I asked, what is one of your favorite K-dramas? But also, what is it about that show that makes you love it? Like, why do you love it? What is it? And why do you love it? And then I asked anyone who was interested um, to record themselves answering my question and send it to me. And that is what today's show is. So today, we all get to listen to different people instead of just me waffling on about what I like, other people talking about what they care about and talking about how they engage with K-dramas. And it's been so cool for me. One, I found a whole bunch of other shows I want to watch because some of them I haven't seen. Um, But I hope it's really cool for listeners too, because again, some of the shows that are getting talked about today are things that I've never talked about on the podcast. So it's a really, you know, introduction to different things and different shows. 
Um, and my idea is that um, I will try and do one of these guest gabbles, um, hopefully every 10 episodes is my idea, um, and maybe have a different sort of themed question. And returning guests is fine. Anyone who wants to do it on Patreon, uh, Patreon is totally fine, um, even if you've done it before. And I'm just going to try and ask a different question. So I'm not sure, but I'm thinking maybe the next one might be maybe romance themed or favorite character themed, um, but I don't know yet. So we'll, we, we'll deal with that in the future. Um, so what I want to do is just get on with it. <laughs> I've probably blathered on enough, but you guys can probably tell I am quite excited about this. Um, I feel like this episode means a lot to me just because it's Oh, it's so different from where I started, you know, when I first put up my first episode um, all by myself and didn't know if anyone would ever listen. And the fact that I'm able to release an episode like this, actually, it, it's pretty special for me. So I'm not going to introduce every guest separately. I have seven different guests, but everyone introduces themselves. They, they introduce the drama. Um, so I'm just going to let everyone go for it. Um, I will just let people know um, the sound, you know, it's different levels on each recording. I'm not very tech amazing, so I wasn't able to fix it. So please just listen on and uh, yeah, just, you know, Turn, turn it up and down as you need to. I think it's fine. Um, and so I'm just going to get into it, but I do want to introduce my first guest um, just because I, I think this is really cool. So my first guest, her name is Izzy. Um, and the reason I'm introducing Izzy is because she is only 10 years old which I think is really cool. She got into, well, she's sort of into K-dramas through her mom, who is an obsessive K-drama watcher and a friend who I've met through this podcast. Um, but Izzy is talking about not a K-drama, but a Korean variety show. And I know there'll be a lot of listeners who love Korean variety shows. So um, I think that Izzy has done such a good job of telling us why we should watch her favorite Korean variety show. All right. And then after Izzy, it's just going to roll straight into all the other guests. Um, and just before I start, thank you to everyone who recorded themselves and sent them to me. Hi, Lee Evie and listeners. My name is Izzy, and my mother Lizzie is addicted to K-dramas. However, recently, we watched a Korean reality show called Busted, which I really enjoyed, and so I decided to tell you about it. Busted uses both scripted and unscripted dialogue. The idea of the show is that there are celebrity detectives who are famous Korean actors. In the show, they have to solve mysteries and crime, crimes. They have to complete challenges to find clues and put the pieces together to solve the crime. There is a new crime in every episode. There are lots of funny tasks that they have to do that are lots of fun to watch. For example, having to navigate a pathway while getting pelted with water balloons. Things I love. The show makes me laugh when the actors break, and break character and crack up. They easily make each other laugh, which is really funny, even when they're supposed to be acting serious. Sometimes they even say things like, we shouldn't be laughing right now. And I really love all the plot twists because it keeps you on your toes. I grew to love many of the characters and felt excited when some of them left, but also when they came back. The cast. The cast includes Yoo Jae-suk, or Jae-suk. 
He is my favourite male character. His character is meant to already be a detective when the show starts. He wears funny hats that make him look a bit like Sherlock Holmes. He makes you laugh a lot, and he seems like a really good person. That's why he's my favourite male character. Anjay Wook. He is another of the... He's another, another one of the detectives, and he wears glasses. He seems really smart, and he often solves a lot of clues. The funniest thing he had to do was learn how to, how to do pole dancing, which was hilarious. Kim Jong-min is another one of the detectives, and in the first episode, for some reason, he is wearing a hanbok, or hanbok, I'm not completely sure how to say it, traditional clothes. With a hat that my mum tells me is a gut, or is called a gut. He can be the goofy one sometimes, and often makes mistakes. However, he is very good at solving maths problems. Lee Kwang Soo, also known as the Crab. He has crazy wavy hair, and is always wearing a trench coat with a backpack on, and that ha which has two cameras mounted on it. He looks really funny, and is often the comedy character in the show, and is easily scared. I think he is really funny, and and. He is my second favourite male character. Park Min Young. She is one of the female detectives, and my mum tells me that she is in many romantic K-dramas like What's Wrong with, Secreta with Secretary Kim. She is one of the really smart ones, and she is particularly good at puzzles, but she seems to also get scared easily. She does funny things like suddenly lying down on the ground when she's in danger. Oh Se-hun. He is the youngest of the male detectives and is normally called Pretty Boy by the others because of his good looks. Kim Si-jong. She is the other female detective and is my favourite female character. I really like her because she has a sweet baby face but is also a lot like me. We both like to eat food. Lee Sung-gi. He joins the cast late in season 2 and he is not all that he seems. He is my mum's favourite and there's a plot twist about him. But I won't spoil it. However, Mum was upset about the plot twist because she likes him so much. I like to tease Mum about how she, how much she likes Sungji because she, because she obsesses over him and makes him seem like he's the only character that matters in the show. Crazy. I think you should watch it though, because it is a really cr clever reality show that is super interesting, funny, and entertaining. There are three seasons to watch so far, and all of the episodes are great in my opinion thanks for listening everyone and enjoy the rest of this podcast after the break hi this is Shade. my first k-drama love is crash landing on you it's the first k-drama i ever watched and and therefore you know you you never forget your first love right nothing can surpass it but my second runner-up one is rookie historian which is absolutely fantastic and that's the one i'm going to talk about um it is set in the Josian era and it is about a 26 year old woman who called um gu Rung, who ha- is a woman of status um, she comes from a good family i guess and that's why she's been able to avoid having to get married um you know that sort of societal expectation that that's all women do they get married they have kids that's all that's your lot for you and she's pushing back against that and you know basically wants to read books um and just you know hang out and do her own thing but her brother who is basically her only family member you know basically feels like it's his responsibility to 
ensure she gets married and he kind of puts his foot down and says I've given you enough time this is the person I've chosen for you you're going to marry him Um, and the way that she avoids this fate is to apply for um, a job as a female historian at the royal palace and it's a role that's just become available because the royal family is going through some turmoil and they as a distraction they have decided to um to recruit female historians and it's not that there's never been female historians but not for a couple of centuries um and so she gets the position and and she will enters the royal family and a completely different way of life um and so the historians who are already there and in fact all the civil servants that work in the royal um in the royal palace are very resistant to this they're like this is you know it's a very patriarchal male world that to have women in this position or this where you're you know where there's power i guess um inherent there and it's it's just not that then very they're very unhappy with it and sort of sexism is rife and so the women really have to push back and try and prove themselves and you know and and not only earn they've already earned their place but make a place for themselves so they can be treated equally and those sort of tensions and dramas um and those battles are so fascinating to watch it's so interesting so you have that you know so that's her journey um and then you've got the you know the royal family who are going through various things there's a mystery hanging over um the way that they are interacting you've got the king you've got the crown prince who's going to become heir tensions between them and then you've got this mysterious prince doan who's a kind of rapunzel figure who is kept in a secret part of the um of the palace and sees nobody and is allowed to go nowhere and that's sort of the mystery that that carries through the whole drama in terms of why is he treated the way he is um and it's a compelling drama it really does keep you hanging on to the to the very end um so yeah and then it's honestly there's so many things that i love about this drama the production values are absolutely incredible um it's shot beautifully and the you know the lighting is fantastic the set designs and there's so much texture and so much color in every scene um the the relationships are so rich um whether between the female historians and the men that they kind of have to win around and um and get them to accept them and understand that women are intelligent too and we, they can do the same job that a man can do the tension between the civil servants and the royal family um and that you know that kind of thing of holding powerful people to account um is also fascinating and honestly the ways that the civil servants the clever ways they find to push back and speak truth to power without getting themselves killed is freaking fantastic um I really like the you know the romantic relationships are all really interesting um um the the central romance I I didn't see how the two of them were going to work together or I wasn't convinced and watching the you know the evolution of that relationship and the two people who are involved and how they grow um and really step into the people they are sort of destined to become is like honestly it's such a beautiful arc and it's one of the most wonderful things about the show um it really works on so many different levels um so and also the 
possibly my favorite thing is the sort of rah-rah girl powerness of it of seeing this girl step up and just um not allow herself to be put into a box and shunted away but be bold and fearless and screw up sometimes and make mistakes but just continue to power on is is absolutely wonderful and it definitely passes the Bechdel test because these women's lives do not center around men they have goals and hopes and dreams and um and things that they want to achieve in their lives and it's such a it's such a rich um and just wonderfully appealing show so i would absolutely recommend it to everybody rookie historian Lee Evie, this is Catherine Bourne Taylor. Um, I am so excited that you're doing this for your podcast um, because sometimes when I listen to your podcast, I think about what I would say. So this is exciting. Um, and yeah, I love being your K drama pen pal as well. So the show that I want to recommend to everyone is You Drive Me Crazy. It is a four episode drama. The episodes are only about 35 minutes. So it is not a big commitment of your time, but it is so worth your time. Um, I initially came to this drama because like many people, I watched Startup and have had the worst case of second lead syndrome I think I've ever, ever had uh, with Kim So what is his name? Let me, let me look it up. With uh, uh, Kim So Hyo, Kim Sun Ho. Oh my God, Kim Sun Ho uh, as Ji Pyong in Startup. Um, I love this actor, and uh, after Startup, I was just like, I have to watch something where he is the male lead, so that I can feel better about the fact that he is not gonna end up with Dalmi in Startup. I have accepted it. Um, so just, or, um, this K drama, you drive me crazy is a friends to lovers trope. There's also some great cohabitation, like forced cohabitation in there too. If you like that, like I do, uh, basically what happens is these two friends, Han Eun-sung and, uh, Kim Rae-won, who is played by, uh, Kim Sun Ho, they, uh, before the show starts, they've slept together two months ago and they've been friends for like eight years and it's clearly caused some awkwardness in the friendship. They haven't seen each other for two months and the first episode starts with Han Eun-sung coming to his house because her pipes have burst and her apartment is flooded. So she has to stay with him. Um, and this drama is just a couple things. It, 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 uh, for some reason I had this idea that shorter dramas were less high quality for some reason. This was the first short drama, less than 16 episodes that I've ever watched. And it, this was just so lovely. And it actually, um, was a really nice, uh, alternative to like something that is a really long commitment only to maybe like disappoint you after you've invested like 10 hours watching um, a show because they use every single minute. There's really nothing wasted. Um, 
it's just the good bits. There's a lot of like great skinship moments. The two leads have excellent chemistry. Um, great romantic chemistry, also great comedic chemistry, and I really buy them as friends. Um, Kim Sun Ho has a really good theater background, and I, I mean, obviously he's a really good actor. And the woman, uh, what is the actress's name? Um, Lee Yu Young. She plays the female lead, and she is seriously, she. She's so good, and I just want to call out a scene in episode two when she's very, very drunk. And, you know, we all know, like, the typical K-drama cute drunk girl where you're like, that's not really how somebody acts when they're, like, messy (laughs) drunk. But the way that she acted this moment, I actually really appreciated because it wasn't cute. It wasn't pretty. It was really messy you felt kind of uncomfortable because she really goes for it like her physicality in this moment is so specific in this scene um and that was just an example of something else that I really liked about the show which is that whereas um a lot of dramas you know they lack like rawness and uh I don't know this this show just felt a lot more like adult without like going overboard on anything it just felt really raw and adult but also super funny and charming um last thing there's also this scene I think it's episode two as well where the two leads just like accidentally kissed (laughs) again oh my god it's so good and they're walking down an alley you know, both kind of denying to each other that either of them is interested in the other romantically. And about five minutes into this scene where they're just back and forth, back and forth, I realized that the camera had never stopped running. And this scene is all one shot. And I'm a film nerd and I, and, and I, I also act and like, it felt like you're watching a little play because it's these two actors who are very talented doing this really long scene and the camera's not really doing much. Um, but they're so easy to watch and fun to see play off of each other that it's just like a real gift in the middle of the episode. And I think an example of the filmmakers just really trusting that their actors are good and the writing is good. And both of those things are true. So anyway, I recommend the short drama you drive me crazy. Um, I'm in the United States, so I watched it on Vicky Rakuten. Uh, it was all subbed. It was so, so good. So my recommendation is You Drive Me Crazy. Hello, my name is Borisby, and this is me talking about one of my favorite Korean dramas for the Lee Yui Korean Drama Podcast. The drama I've decided to talk about today is called The Beauty Inside. This drama actually has a very interesting history, because it is based on a Korean movie of the same name, uh, which came out in uh, 2015. But the movie itself is based on an American web series, also called The Beauty Inside. I actually remember watching that web series many, many years ago and uh, being very impressed and enthralled by it. 
it uh, actually became one of my favorite pieces of media across all platforms. So imagine my surprise when, uh, like seven or eight years later, after discovering the wonderful world of K-dramas, I found out that it was remade into a series. Uh, and luckily I was not disappointed at all. So what is it about? The Beauty Inside is a romance drama with a small fantasy element. The main hero is an actress called Han Segi, who is this incredibly famous actress in Korea. But uh, she is also somewhat uh, infamous for being difficult. She has a reputation for running away from sets, not being on time, having multiple dating scandals and things like that. But there's actually a reason for her this, uh, this unpredictable behavior. Han Segi is hiding a secret. And the secret is that once a month, for about a week, she turns into a completely different person. So at any moment she can turn into a different human being, be it a man or a woman, a child or an elderly person, like a person of any race and so on. So she can be in the middle of receiving an award, uh, wearing this beautiful evening gown and then suddenly turn into a little kid or an enormous dude. So obviously she has to run away to hide uh, this peculiar condition. Uh, and this condition obviously often puts her in trouble. Like, for example, if someone sees her in a male form coming out of her house, the journalists instantly assume that she's dating a new guy and the next day uh, tabloids all over the country start posting articles about her promiscuity. During uh, one of the scandals, she meets a man called So Doja, who at first glance is your typical super-rich conglomerate heir like so many love interest in Korean dramas. But uh, Sodo J actually hides a secret of his own. He has prosopognosia, uh, which is a condition that prevents him from being able to recognize human faces. In this uh, cutthroat corporate world uh, that he lives in, such condition obviously puts him at great disadvantage. So he also tries to protect his secret at all costs. As a way to compensate for this disability, Sodo J developed this almost superhuman deductive skills, and he is able to recognize people by like uh, secondary characteristics, uh, like the way uh, the way they talk, the way they walk, uh, their clothes, jewelry, and so so on. And this ability miraculously allows him to recognize Hansegi, even when she changes form and becomes a completely different person. And at first, their relationship is very hostile and antagonistic due to some uh, business-related reasons, but as they get to know each other better, uh, they form this deep, uh, meaningful connection, which uh, eventually leads to romance. So what is so good about this drama, and why is it one of my favorites, if not the favorite drama of all time? Well, the first reason is Hansegi herself. Obviously, the actress playing her is very beautiful and charming, uh, but the character itself is very ingratiating herself. I feel like uh, Han Segi is not your typical romantic drama heroine, because she's quite strong and doesn't hold back. She doesn't take uh, crap from anybody and always gives as much as she receives. With a great sense of humor as well. Due to her strained condition, it would be easy to make her this sweet, pitiful, sort of uh, helpless heroine, but she's actually the opposite. 
Like there's this one scene where a powerful CEO does something scummy and everyone is too afraid or embarrassed to do something about it. But not Hansagi. And she actually is the only one who is able to stand up to him and in a really, really cool and also hilarious way. And moments like this where Hansagi shows the strength of her character uh, are sprinkled all throughout the drama and it makes for a very entertaining watch. And I also feel like this quality of hers uh, makes her relationship with Soda Dre much more interesting. Because uh, although he is her literal boss at the start of the drama, there's no power imbalance between them. Uh, Hansagi is able to be his equal, uh, which makes for a better dynamic and chemistry between the leads. The second reason is the plot device of transforming into different people. Uh, it is really an ingenious way to create very captivating stories. From the small things like Hansagi having clothes for both men and women in different sizes as well as kids' clothes in her wardrobe, to big things like how she relates to the world and to other people, it's all just so very interesting. This quality also makes Hansegi a very, for the lack of a better word, enlightened individual. Forced to live through hardships of so many different types of people, she has become a very compassionate person, which in turn makes us, the viewers, feel compassion for her. Like in this one scene, uh, Soto J asks her why she knows sign language, and she answers that it's because one day she might not have a voice. It's such a short and simple sentence, but there's so much meaning behind it. Throughout the whole drama, Hansegi's transformations are used to create many situations, some of them very funny and heartwarming, and others utterly heartbreaking. Obviously, I liked it a lot. The third reason is that this drama is incredibly pretty. I don't usually pay attention to things like fashion and how actors look, but in this drama, even I was pleased by how great everything looks, from the way characters dress to the places the drama is shot. It's just pure eye candy, especially when it comes to the second male and female leads who play Soto J, Skimming Stepsister and Hansa Gis' incredibly beautiful male friend. And the fourth reason is that the beauty inside is also really funny. Speaking of the second leads, their romance is really sweet, but mainly just absolutely hilarious. Hansegi's friend is this young guy who looks like a literal angel, and his only desire in life is to become a priest. Kang Sara, uh, the evil stepsister, is this incredibly refined, elegant, vicious corporate executive. It seems like they have nothing in common, but actually they are instantly drawn to each other, and their interactions are pure gold. Uh, also, I was informed that this type of storyline is called a uh, Nuna romance, and I don't know what it means, but sign me up. Apart from this secondary storyline, there's a lot of humor and funny situations all across the drama, and many of them revolve around Hansegi's transformations and awkward situations they put her and those around her. I really had a big smile on my face while watching most of this drama, and I hope you will too. And so, for the last reason I love The Beauty Inside is because, unlike most romance dramas, it doesn't lose steam until the very end. 
It seems to me that almost every romantic series ends up becoming somewhat stale at about two-thirds ways to the end, after the initial excitement of will they, won't they gets resolved. But in The Beauty Inside there's tension up until the very last episode, and I actually think that last episodes are maybe the strongest in the whole show. So, in conclusion, I really loved this drama for its story, characters and overall sweetness. It's my number one feel-good show, and I really hope I was able to do it justice with this short review. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. Hello, hello. Um, my name is uh, Catalina, Cata for short, and I'm originally from Chile and France, but currently we live with my family in somewhere in Asia. I would like to greet you all and also thank the opportunity to join Evie at the Lee Evie Korean Drama Podcast Season 3. Congratulations! Uh, I first found this podcast and loved Evie's voice, gotta say it. Incredibly empathetic and soothing without being boring. By chance, during quarantine and after listening to some of uh, Lee Evie's episodes of this podcast, I decided to start my own podcast in Spanish and asked for advice and she kindly gave me some tips and lots of encouragement. Uh, as you may guess, have, have guessed, sorry, my podcast is in Spanish because there's uh, less existing podcasts about K-dramas and in Spanish. I am an English native speaker, so hence the accent, as you may have guessed. Uh, and I also did, did my own podcast, which has so far 15 episodes, going on 16, and it is called Dora Meando con la Cata, which basically roughly translates as Korean dramaing with Cata, uh, which I think uh, Evie has said before, Dorama is a hybrid between drama and Korea, but they also used it for Japanese series, FYI. So I started this podcast and enjoying, I enjoy the experience so much and I'm happy that people join with me. And also uh, with a friend, I sometimes comment on one series with her and we give information and also connected with an area of South Korean culture to have some substance. Uh, if you understand Spanish, I invite you to listen uh, episode one or many in any order you'd like to. There's no spoilers, and it's available in any of the regular platforms. So there you go, a little bit about me. So today, today I want to avoid overlapping with other favorite dramas. Uh, and plus, high-end crash was already taken, ha! Huh? Um, I'd like to share my thoughts on Grand Prince, Asaguk from the Joseon era, uh, showed in 2018, loosely based on the rivalry of later King Sejo and Grand Prince Anpyeong for the love of the same woman. It is available right now on Viki, in case you're interested. And the cast, with leading is the amazing Yoon Shi Yoon, who has been in Train, Knock to Flower, Hit the Top, Flower Boy Next Door, and others as Grand Prince Li Hui, or Eun Sung, which is based on a Grand Prince and Pyong. Then we have um, 
our female lead, which is a Sagok frequent client, that's a male lead, uh, sorry, female lead, is Jin Seyon, who has been in high, of course, high end crush, bridal mask, flower in prison, queen love and war. And she plays the daughter of a noble scholar, Sung Jahyun. Completes this trio, the more veteran actor, Ju Sang Wook, who has been in Good Doctor, Giant, Cunning Single Lady, and Birth of a Beauty, amongst others. He plays the future King Sejo, which is at this point Grand Prince Lee Kang. So both Grand Princes are very different in personality and they clash because of this. And the eldest, which is Lee Kang, is tough, hard to read, greedy, somehow selfish, lowly and deeply in pain. He feels ostracized by his family and he brings it up often that he was abandoned as a child and he didn't have his parents loving parents as his brother was raised with that love. The youngest, called Li Hui, is kind, sweet, brave, and loyal to the nation of Joseon. Prince Li Kang, the eldest, wants it all. He wants the throne, and he wants the love of the scholar's daughter, Jahyun. Jahyun gets caught in the middle of this brotherhood, but has already given her heart to Hui. Hui just wants to stay away from power. He really wants to marry Jihyun and live in peace, does not matter where. Totally the opposite of his brother. There, in this series, you'll find battles, mysteries, thrillers, angst, humor, and a lot of swoon, longing stares, and beautiful confessions. A support role, Moon Ji In, shines as Kotdan, the Jadion, sorry, Jahyun's maid. She steals the show with her sassy, warm character. Junshi Yun, as usual, a melting smile, the whole hero lead package, shows sweetness at times, but exhibited commanding rough behaviors as well. When he needed, he was great as Prince Wee, and super romantic, gotta say. Swoon Swoon. Ju Sang Wook was a discovery for me. He, he displayed very intense acting and did not speak much, but his eyes and his body language was, were superb. The internal conflict of his greed, love, hatred for his brother Hui, heart shell versus the glimpse of hope for Jahyun to quotations fix him and love him is even painful to watch at times. I even felt pity and compassion. I mean, he kind of transmitted that to me. There is a compelling scene where you think he would strangle Jahyun, but he again shows that dichotomy of, I, I should get rid of her right now, versus I could kiss her and be happy with her loving me and changing me. I have hope. That agony he's constantly in. Absolutely brilliant, great performance, and I have to say, eye candy, more mature, but eye candy. And then we have the female ladies, Jin Seyon, as Lady Jahyun, who was uh, evolved from a typical noble daughter, raised to get married, cross-stitch and draw, nothing wrong with these forms of art, of course, but we see her evolving into a determined, kind, strong, loyal, and rebel to her destiny as a woman by choosing who to marry and what to do in her spare time. She gets into trouble often, you'll see. 
she did a fantastic job in this eguk. She made me laugh, frown, and also could display heartfelt emotional scenes effectively. She also showed great chemistry with our male lead, Yoon Shiyun, uh, Lee Hui, as Prince Lee Hui. Uh, and as the main couple, they go over so many separations, obstacles, misunderstandings, the whole package, that you cannot you can only root for them at all times because you really want them to to win in the end to get and stay together. And oh, the swoon, the longing, those again, those stares, those words, beautiful, beautiful uh, scenes together. Also, uh, completing this is a great supporting cast. I had mentioned some of them. Uh, the eunuch, the maid, the loyal friend from the north, the ex-best friend, the brother, and um, it was really, really entertaining. They all play a part to make the plot wholesome and compelling. It's very entertaining. Again, I'm saying this again. <laughs> Did not even realize that it was more than 16 episodes, which usually, if it's more than 16 episodes, I kind of cringe and go, oh. but it um, could be a deal breaker for some people. But no, 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 I'm telling you, I strongly suggest that you give it a try. It has all the ingredients of a good, Swoony adventure and if you want also contact with me follow me on twitter at con kata which is c-o-n-c-a-t-a and i can answer in english and spanish or if you want to try another language i'll figure it out and um, i strongly recommend this series at Vicky so far so i'm going to quote the here's my waffling grand prince Hello everyone, my name is Lizzie and I'm really honoured to be part of this K-drama community. Thank you so much, Lee Evie, for inviting me to speak on the Lee Evie Korean Drama Podcast. This is such a thrill for me. Like Lee Evie, I've been obsessed with K-dramas for some years now, but I also have no one in my life that shares the passion and so frustratingly, there's never been anyone to reflect on the shows, gush over them, analyse the K-dramas that I've been watching. So that's why I went in search of a podcast in the hopes that someone out there was talking about it so that I could at least listen, hear others' thoughts about the shows that I love so much and also learn about shows that I hadn't watched yet. And so that's how I found out uh, about the Lee Evie Korean Drama Podcast. Um, and I've certainly discovered that Lee Evie is a kindred spirit who I am so grateful to now call my friend. Thank you, Lee. Um, like Lee Evie, I'm a huge romance fan. And I know that you'll all agree with me when I say that the Koreans sure know how to do romance well. That nice, gradual, delicious movement towards coming together, the humorous misunderstandings, the decision on whether to be vulnerable and admit your feelings for someone. And then when they finally do, it's fireworks. Honestly, a good kiss scene is my absolute favourite. Uh, it gives you all of the feels, I reckon. Um, and I confess that I'm not averse to watching the scene, re-watching the scene a few times just to feel the tingles again. So Lee Evie has asked me to talk to you today about a favourite K-drama for a few minutes. Um, and so since then, I've been in a terrible dilemma. Which do I pick? <laughs> there are so many that I adore that it's a bit like having to choose a favourite child. I wasn't sure if I should choose one of the romantic comedies that I adore or one of the critic gritty crime dramas or one of the time slip dramas or maybe a supernatural drama. So I have to say, I just want to qualify that the one I've chosen today is one of my favourites because I can't choose just one. <laughs> the drama that I'm going to talk about today is called Life on Mars. It's a 2018 crime drama with a twist based on the 2006 to 2007 UK drama of the same name. 
My husband and I watched the British series around the time that our son was a toddler and I fondly recall collapsing exhausted onto the couch once he was finally asleep uh, to watch the next thrilling instalment. And for some reason, in a fit of idle Googling, I discovered that there was a K-drama remake of the series and so I instantly knew I had to watch it. And amazingly, my hubby decided to watch it with me, so that was a nice bonus. (laughs) The South Korean Life on Mars is a 16-episode OCN production and it has all of the hallmarks of a gritty OCN drama with fantastic colour treatment to really help you feel into the time periods that it spends time in. It begins in the present with Han Taeju, played by Jung Kyung Ho, who I've seen and loved in the dramas Happy Once Again and Hospital Playlist, and I really hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, the character Han Taeju is a forensic scientist in the present, working with the police. And as the result of an investigation that fails to convict the guilty serial killer, called the manicure murderer because he paints the nails of his victims after strangling them, his ex-girlfriend is kidnapped by the suspect. And so Han Ju goes in search of them to rescue her. When he finds the killer, he first is shot by him in the head and then stumbling off into the road hit by a car and we see him fall to the ground, presumably either dead or certainly very seriously injured. The next thing we then see is him walking around in a 1988 soul, 30 years prior to the present day. In the British version of the drama, Han Ju's character, who's called Sam, goes back to the year 1973. And at first I was confused about why the Korean production would choose the 80s rather than the 70s. But then I understood that this 30 or so year time difference is important to other elements of the plot. And so given that this production was made 12 years after the British one, it of course makes sense that it goes back to the 1980s. And I do think it's kind of nice that they chose the Olympics year, 1988, as we see signs of Seoul gearing up for the Olympic Games, which makes it an interesting slice of history as well as an entertaining drama. Han Ju ends up being arrested when he starts giving chase to a man that he thinks is the manicure murderer from the present day and ends up being arrested and brought to the police station. And that's where he meets the cast of characters that become the mainstay of the drama from this point on, including the captain, Kang Dong Chul, played by Park Sung Wung, who I first saw in the drama Remember, which I couldn't finish because it was so distressing, but he was excellent in it. (laughs) Dong Chul is a classic old school cop. He's not averse to beating up criminals to get a confession out of them and regularly bends the rules to get a result. It's all about getting a result. Teju is mistaken as the new recruit to the station and so he begins a life of a cop in 1988 in a very confused state. In the meantime, he also starts seeing images through the TV and hearing voices that sound like doctors from the present day. And we start to realise that he's in a coma and very nearly dies several times during the drama, causing him to either lose unconsciousness or experience blinding headaches or visions or flashbacks. So there's this sense of urgency all the way through the drama you realise as the audience that he might die uh, and the voices that he hears of the present day doctors are often talking about turning off life support because he's unresponsive and desperate to get back. So, So that's why he's desperate to get back to the future. Um, So that's the overall objective. Um, But I have to say the drama doesn't labour on that more. It's sort of sprinkled throughout every episode as an overall story arc. But each episode reveals more of the backstory of Teju's life. It shows you his slowly developing bond with his fellow officers, which makes for lots of comedy gold, (laughs) Um, especially when you contrast the very uptight and emotionless Teju with his blustering grandstanding captain operating in ways that make a modern police officer shudder. 
Um, there are also cases in each episode with plenty of mystery and tension as you watch the cases being solved. You also start to understand the relationship of past cases with the present-day manicure murders, which throughout the drama are finally solved and understood. Teju also meets his father before his untimely death and he learns about what happened there. Uh, this storyline in particular makes for lots of emotional moments that I really invested in. I thought it was really well done and really, really touches your heart. There is a, a bit of romance, but it's very, very subtle, and that's between Teju and the only female police officer in the station, Yoon Na Young, who's played by Go Ah Sung, and I have to say I've not seen her in anything before, so I can't tell you what else she's done. Um, the romance really builds slowly, but because it's not the focus of the drama, it doesn't quite give the payoff that I like to see in a romance drama. But nonetheless, I did find myself really rooting for them, and even my husband expressed impatience for them to get together already. <laughs> Actually, this is a point of difference with the British version of the show from my memory, um, which is which definitely um, had the romance progressing much further than the Korean version did. Alongside the very entertaining storylines, the fantastic acting, uh, and which was you know a good mix of comedy and gripping tension and mystery, I think the drama is also a bit of social commentary on how things have changed, mostly for the better. For example, the rule-breaking cowboy tactics of the police are shown to have serious consequences. There's a, a episode where a suspect dies in their care and they just prior to his death had been beating him up um, and I definitely cringed at the sexist attitudes towards the female officer who's only allowed to make coffee for the men and not given any real investigative opportunities despite the fact that she shows real potential and it's only through her relationship with Teju who has a modern view and can't understand why she's being constantly sidelined that she does begin to shine and finally becomes a real police officer which is really satisfying. But the relationship that gave me the most joy was the relationship between Teju and the Captain Dong Chul. It's, I've said it already, but it is comedy gold. Um, I was a bit worried about whether it would live up to my memories of the British version of this pair who are called Sam Tyler and Jean Hunt, but it really did. Uh, I love the way that it was translated into the Korean context so that he never felt like a character that couldn't exist in Korea. Um, he was like Jean Hunt, certainly like a chain-smoking, grandiose, sexist character. Um, but then there were other elements like living, you know, having to live with his Korean mother-in-law and therefore frequently turning up to Teju's apartment with fried chicken chicken and soju to crash on the couch because he could not go home after a fight. And this relationship also had so much warmth. Dong Chul becomes a, like a father figure essentially um, to Teju and he manages to thaw this very uptight character that, that Teju is. Um, you, you know, certainly get the sense that Teju has been traumatised at some time in the past and that's why he's so emotionless. But you start to see that really thaw and you can see how they come to really genuinely care about each other. I'm not going to spoil the ending except to say that just like the British version, it doesn't answer all of the questions. Like, did Teju time travel? Were his experiences in 1988 all a very vivid and detailed hallucination? Is Teju dead or alive? Are the police officers of 1988 real people? There could certainly be more to the story. And I actually did read recently that there's been speculation that there might even be a third season of the British version, uh, which picks up from where the second season left off. So the British version had two seasons, but those two seasons are encapsulated in the 16 episodes of the Korean version. Um, so the, the, yeah, the, this um, remake or sorry, this um, continuation of the story would sort of pick up from the end of that. Um, so it would be interesting to see if they do that and how they choose to answer those unanswered questions. But anyway, there is still 
in spite of that, plenty of satisfaction with loose ends being tied up, lots of mysteries finally solved and understood, and plenty of bad guys being caught. The ending does feel satisfying to me, even if I sort of wished for the story to continue. Also, I thought the soundtrack was great. Um, I'm really glad that they did utilise the title track, um, Life on Mars. Um, but they also added to it the Korean music of the day, which really added to the atmosphere of the scenes in the past. And I also mentioned the colour treatment at the start. I thought that was a fantastic device. The, um, the 1988 scenes have that slightly grainy quality. The colour saturation is almost sepia. It's more washed out and like yellow, brown sort of colours, while the modern day scenes are quite sharp and clinical, lots of blue tones, cold steel, white surfaces. It feels very grey by contrast. Um, but it also, I think, really reflects Teju's emotional journey. Um, because of the things that happened in his life, he's unable to express his emotions. So he really adheres to the rules in a way that alienates everyone around him. Now, he's all about facts and acting with reason, never emotion. But his time in 1988 teaches him about real relationships, emotional bonds, and finally allows him to express the grief that he's not expressed prior to that time. And then in the final shot of the series, you see him smiling and singing along to the radio. And this is probably one of the few times that you see him genuinely smiling throughout the whole drama. You get the sense that he's healed and he's finally connected his past self and his present self. And I think that's why it feels so satisfying. Um, I also thought that um, Jung Kyung Ho as Taeju was brilliant in the role, um, so much so that he's firmly one of my favourite male actors now. Um, I did also, I must admit, really love his character in Happy Once Again. It was a very contrasting character, um, but I think that shows his range. And by the way, that show, uh, if you haven't seen it, has one of the funniest and most adorable meet-cute scenes that I've ever seen. It actually had me guffawing out loud. I loved the setup for the romance in that drama. He, um, so um, Jung Kyung Ho and Park Sung Wung as Dong Chul, they really carry the show, but they're well supported by the rest of the cast who are all excellent. I thought the show was really tight and engaging. It certainly has you saying just one more episode at the end of every episode and the pace is just perfect. So all in all, I can say that I highly recommend it, especially if you enjoy the crime genre. Um, so thank you, Lee Evie, for letting me ramble on and for this podcast community for listening. I hope you're all doing well out there during these strange and scary times and that watching lots of K-dramas is as much of a comfort to you as it is to me. Thank you. Over and out. Hi, Lee Evie and podcast listeners. My name's Liliana and I'm here to talk about my latest drama obsession. Let me start by saying that I love your podcast and thank you so much for this opportunity. Also, I would like to preface, my pronunciation may not be the best, but I'll try my hardest. The show that I decided to talk about is the 50 episode C drama The Untamed. Now, I know 50 episodes may turn you away straight away, but hear me out. Not only is this story so engaging that you want more, but if that number scares you off, the production team of this show did create an international official version of the show available on YouTube that reduces the show down to 20 episodes, so don't let the length scare you off. I will start by giving you the official synopsis from my drama list. 
Wei Wuxian and Lan Wangji, two talented disciples of respectable clans, meet during a cultivation training and accidentally discover a secret carefully hidden for many years. Taking on the legacy of their ancestors, they decide to rid the world of the ominous threat. But in a dramatic twist of turns, Wei Wuxian dies. Sixteen years later, Wei Wuxian is brought back to life through a self-sacrificing ritual. He conceals himself behind a mask and assumes the identity of his summoner. Soon, Wei Wuxian reunites with Lan Wanji, and the pair starts working together to solve the mysteries of the present and unravel the truth behind the events of the past. Now, I will go into more detail of my experience with the drama. The show is based on the very popular BL book called Modo Zushi, or Grand Master of Demonic Cultivation. I'm pretty sure by this point I've lost most of you because not only is this a long drama, but it's based on BL. However, due to the high censorship in China, the show had to control the BL within it, which means there is no kissing or visible love affection. But even through the high censorship, you can see the true bond between these two main leads. Their relationship is strong and pure through longing looks and a line of understanding between two people which can only be reached through an extremely close bond. This show is what is called a xinxia genre, which in the West would be compared to a high fantasy show. The drama is based around a fictional world in which people are separated into clans or sects. A clan is a family group which cultivates together. Cultivation is basically training which allows the cultivator through hardest work to reach immortality. A sect is a group of people not related by blood who cultivate together. There are five main clans or sects within this world. The plot is mainly centered around the two male leads from different clans lands. Wei Wuxian, the sunny, bright, larger-than-life character who later becomes entangled with dark magic and the uptight, blank-faced rule following Lan Wanji. These two male characters are like night and day and yet embark on this journey together to save their clans from an out-of-control clan leader who wishes for more power and does not care how he achieves it. The show has a particular storytelling method in the way that you start off with the death of Wei Wuxian, and this is not a spoiler, it happens within the first five minutes of the first episode. Then you jump 16 years into the future to when Wei Wuxian is brought back, to only then jump back to be told what happened to lead to that death, and brought back to the future again at about episode 30 to be told the rest of the story. This may sound crazy. But it works so well for this show. It makes the storyline incredibly engaging and different. It keeps the audience on its toes and shows you clearly how the actions of the past affected the future. Another great quality of this show is the bonds within it. The side characters within the show are very well developed, which leads to great interactions between the cast characters. Characters that at first may look innocent become masterminds of a game of chess which is played throughout the whole show. The character development for the main leads and side characters alike is incredibly detailed. You clearly see how their past actions affected their future and how their life events shaped who they become. 
throughout the show you go on a journey with these characters and ultimately you love them and understand them so much that you need to find out what happens to them to the point that when the emotion is cranked up to high you are right there with these characters you feel each scene as if you were there and you want them to succeed badly (laughs) the show boasts a brilliant cast with amazing bonds and chemistry which is clearly so well translated into the storyline. This is especially obvious in the two main leads, Xiao Zhan and Wang Yibo. Beautiful costumes set against breathtaking scenery, politics and intriguing twists and turns you won't be able to guess. What makes this show extremely watchable for me is the bonds we see created on screen, the struggle of youth when facing oppression. It is truly a beautiful journey. The author of the book actually suffered from cyberbullying. This may sound irrelevant, however, it can clearly be seen in the TV adaptation. There is a particular quote that roughly says, as long as you go with their wishes, the crowd calls you a hero. As soon as you go against them, you are a devil with wicked magic. This is so powerful and shows how a crowd's opinion can be such an easy thing to manipulate and a powerful tool depending on the wielder. The main OST for this show is also sang by the main leads themselves, which adds an extra nuance to the show. It is a very special song that means a lot to the main leads and that I still have on repeat regularly on my playlist. I dragged my feet about starting this show and then binged all 50 episodes in three days because I just simply couldn't stop watching it. As soon as I finished it, I wanted to go back and rewatch it all. I still find myself behind this watching behind the scenes or clips on YouTube regularly. Be prepared. If you give this show a try, you won't be able to understand a thing for the first couple episodes, especially because some characters carry three names, their birth name, the name their closest family use and their title. So it's totally normal to be confused. However, you soon find your footing and once you get the rhythm of it, you won't be able to put it down or forget about it for months to come. Because even on the second rewatch, you realize things you could never pick up on the first watch of the show. The Untamed is one of the highest rated shows on my drama list and overall one of the highest rated C-dramas in China for 2019. Taking into account it is based on a BL book shown in one of the highest censored countries that is quite the achievement. That is why this is my recommendation, The Untamed, starring Xiao Zhan and Wang Yibo. everybody and welcome back to the Lee Evie part of the show and it is me Lee Evie talking again. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to my guests this week as much as I did. I loved it so much. Um, I want to say a huge 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 thank you to Izzy, Sade, Catherine, Catalina, Barris B, Lizzie, and Liliana. Um, Thank you guys so much for taking the time to think about this topic and send in your recordings to me and just be part of this at all. Um, It made me really, really happy. Um, It also gave me quite a few new dramas that I want to add to my to-watch list um, for sure. So I hope that is the same for all the listeners out there. Um, So yeah, I'm not going to do kind of my normal random thing and favorite thing and personal update this week, just because I feel like this episode is its own thing. And yeah, just thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate it. And a huge thank you to my Patreon supporters, um, both 
those people who decided to partake in Guest Gab and those who may do it in the future, because um, I know there were some other people that were interested. Um, so hopefully after hearing this, you guys might do it too next time. All right. Um, I think that's it from me.